Hello and welcome to One Chance, the podcast where we try to recreate the experience of listening to a record in its entirety for the first time. Each week, Sean and I, independently of each other, sit down and listen to a record that neither of us has heard before in its entirety. Um, and then we gather and on this podcast chat about our experiences of listening to it, hopefully giving you a bit of an insight into what that record is like and either funneling in, you into listening to it or warning you off ever doing that. Those of you that have heard this before will know this is the bit where I ask Sean how you can support the podcast. So, Sean, good evening. And how can people support the podcast? Evening, Will. Um, yeah, as always, the best way to support the podcast is to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, download the new episodes as they come out, and then leave us a rating and review. I think pretty much all the platforms now support at least dropping a rating on episodes that you enjoy. And the written reviews are really nice to read and receive. Um, and they do help boost us up the algorithms and let people find the podcast more easily. Um, outside of that, sharing episodes with friends and family also always helps. Fantastic. Now is the part where we introduce our musical taste. Those of you that have heard this before will know that rather than telling you ourselves what we like to listen to, this is the point where we instead tell you what each other's musical taste is like. I always lose track of who is to go next, but I've just seen Sean pointing at me, which I'm taking to mean it is my turn to go first. So how would I describe Sean's musical taste? I would describe Sean's musical taste um, as being almost identical to my barber's. I never know. I say that. I've, I've pulled that up because I went and had my hair cut this morning. And so I was sort of reminded of this. When I'm sitting down in her chair, I'm never quite sure um, what it's going to be. Sometimes it's really bouncy, sunny, pop punk. It's like a really sort of jolly start to the day. Um, other times it's some really up-tempo kind of aggy punk. And uh, and sometimes it's some, some really quite aggressive stuff. And it makes for quite a daunting and intimidating 45 minutes while I'm... Uh, she, she's gamely attempting to try and turn my mess of a haircut into something palatable. Um, but I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd say that it, it's a it's a Venn diagram that is basically a circle when you're comparing her musical tastes and his. I mean, I'm glad to know there are other people in the world that uh, have as amazing musical taste as I do. Um, so that's fun. Although she's probably more talented than me if, if she's a barber. Um Okay, so I would describe Will's musical taste as, um, oh, I've had a, a mind blank here. Um, okay, I would describe Will's musical taste as um, the jelly beans from the films and books Harry Potter, where most of the time you're picking up stuff and you're enjoying it and it's nice and you won't be able to necessarily identify it straight away, um, but you're probably going to like it. And every so often you'll... Uh, chuck one in your mouth or in your ears as the music analogy goes and be like oh no i've made a terrible mistake quick get a different one to uh, cleanse my my musical palette <laughs> have you ever had i can't remember what they're called those they're like jelly beans but they're, they're different colors and then there's two of each color and one one of each color is something nice so it'll be like apple or whatever and then the other green one will be like bogeys or whatever yeah, they are that, absolutely repulsive. Yeah, I, I'm not a gambler. I don't. <laughs> that's the sort of thing I was like, that'd be funny as long as I only get the good ones. 
yeah there's a really i would say there is a low payoff and a really big punishment so yeah it's um not one not one for the sensible gamblers anyway uh enough of our confectionery related um non sequiturs though sean what have we been listening to this week so today we're going to be talking about the fifth studio album from Minnesotan multi-instrumentalist rapper and singer Mod Sun. Starting his musical life drumming in pop-punk bands Sideline Heroes and Semester, before becoming the drummer for a post-hardcore band Four Letter Lie, and eventually leaving to pursue a solo career in rap and becoming the drum tech for Scary Kids Scaring Kids. Cool, that band's a mouthful, it's always been a mouthful. Um, he then went on to be the full-time drummer for Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, uh, and then left and released three solo hip-hop and rap albums between 2015 and 2017. 2021's album Internet Killed the Rockstar marked Modson's return to pop-punk and saw him rise to the forefront of the new wave of the rappers making sort of heavier music alongside the likes of Machine Gun Kelly. Um, today we're going to be giving our one-chance review of God Save the Team. intrigued to hear what you made of the record this week. It has to be said that I was aware of him as opposed to really being familiar with his work. I think, in fact, the only other times I've heard any of his songs is a couple of times when I've been around at yours and you've thrown some of his stuff up on the tally when we've been sitting down and listening to a bit of music. But he's 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 really not um, someone that I knew particularly well beforehand. And to be honest, that whole kind of new wave of pop punk, again, it's something I'm more familiar with I'm more kind of aware of than being directly familiar with and what's really interesting listening to him. Um, and I wonder if it's kind of the same with the rest of those is in some ways you can definitely see the sort of the link between this stuff and the stuff that we kind of grew up, grew up listening to. And in other ways, they're sort of wildly different genres. Um, and, I, and I don't know whether that's true of that wider sort of new movement or, or not, or that's something that's just this album. Uh, I, maybe not even his whole career. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I think something I want to go and do after this is start exploring some more of those artists. So I'll definitely be hitting you up for some recommendations after this episode. As a sort of brief initial overall kind of comment on the record, I have to say it didn't quite do it for me. I There were elements that I liked. I could kind of see what he was doing. I think it's clearly got a sort of conceptually it's it's kind of cohesive it just it left it left me a little bit cold it left me feeling a bit like I can see other people maybe loving this record but I think maybe I'm not the target audience for this what was your kind of initial response to it yeah like you say like you'd heard him obviously before me like that gives away that I have listened to a lot of his um well I mostly have listened to the uh internet killed the rockstar the fourth album the first one that was sort of pop punk I've not delved into much of his hip-hop stuff um i think fairly well off white kids doing hip-hop is something i don't necessarily vibe with at all um but familiar with him from scary kids and yeah from the album before this 
I was less impressed of this album than I wanted to be. Um, it is, yeah, like you said, it has a theme. It has elements of it that are good. It's enjoyable for me to listen to. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't, there was nothing really spectacular about it. Um, nothing that brought it above a, a background album for me. Um, that's not true. Uh, Courtney Fuckedka or whatever it's called. Um, I'll check the name in a minute. Was a was a fun like punk song, but yeah, it, it didn't do it for me like the rest of this sort of genre has done over the last few years. Um, it felt a bit a bit watered down, um, and it had it had a really weird like way of, despite obviously being a genuine and personal record, never really feeling genuine um like even on songs like single mothers and stuff which are obviously super super personal it just seemed a bit sort of manufactured pop punk um which yeah i think the phrase left me a bit cold was right like i i could enjoy all the songs as as what they were but there was nothing particular about it that i thought made me go this is his best album this is his breakthrough this is the one that people would be like great and i think actually that shows in that like this is a guy i enjoy listening to and i didn't even realize this album was coming out until i was looking for something for us for this week um it feels like it's probably one of those records that's gonna fade into the ether and people will be like oh yeah i kind of remember a couple of tracks off of that but yeah um yeah it wasn't quite what i expected it to be but there were definitely good moments and like it was fine there was didn't hate any of it like but yeah, no, nothing stand out for me in terms of a, a, a piece of work. Um, I want to just jump in for a moment because I think that thing that you said about the emotive side of it not really landing and almost like that was something that I definitely felt like it clearly in some ways is a super personal album. Virtually every song on it about, is about his how indebted he is to Avril Lavigne for sort of saving him and being in a relationship with him. There, There is, as you say, that kind of ode to his mum on Single Mothers that even has her sort of speaking the outro bit. Um, and, and there was another one as well. You know, it, it's clearly meant to be an emotive record. And if you listen, and if you were to read the lyrics on paper, they sound highly emotional. I think for me, one of the big problems is his delivery just didn't carry any of that emotion it was really flat it was almost a sense of detachment like you say it was almost like someone going through the motions of like i'm writing an emotional song rather than i am conveying genuine emotion in this song and that contrast between the sort of detachment of the vocal style and the slightly hackneyed cliched over emotion of the lyrics was quite jarring for me and just was a bit of a turn off at points mm. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I will say, seeing him live, he um, he does perform a lot more emotionally than he is on record. So I don't know if it's a production issue, um, or or something along those lines. But yeah, like having seen him perform, he's super passionate and super like the songs I'd heard on record from the album before this, when he performed them live, they were more genuinely emotive than this record and they were even more so live. So I wonder if something has been lost there in production, but yeah, it just, it all, it all felt like lip service to emotional records, which is bizarre because I think they are, like you say, you read the lyrics and they are all super personal emotive songs and 
they somehow don't come across that way um but yeah they're, they're, there's nothing wrong with them i think they just miss the mark slightly um in a lot of places um right that's sort of like the negative intro bit done what what did you like about the record so i would say there are there are a few moments that did kind of hit for me um i liked drive which was one of the tracks right, right near the end um which was one of the ones where he kind of stepped away from the singing about Avril Lavigne, and I thought it, I thought it really, it benefited it. It felt almost a little bit like when he's writing these the songs about her, he's almost weighed down by the sense of like these songs are like a testament to you. They're a sort of, and almost like that impacted his ability to write catchy melodies, to have big choruses, to write interesting lyrics. It all got a bit po-faced and a bit just a bit earnest um and and on drive it felt like not that it was necessarily like a really funny song or anything or like light-hearted but it just felt like stepping away from the baggage of having to sort of pay homage to her and like sing about how wonderful she was he was freed up a bit to write just like a huge chorus so it's almost this idea that he's feeling like a passenger in his life and he wants to be more in the sort of driving seat as a kind of wrestling with that question of agency, which, you know, is like a sort of more universal theme, I guess. Um, it, it just, the melodies were way more insistent and memorable. And like, I don't know, I think I love pop punk. I grew up listening to it. It's a genre that still, even at 34, I'm like, yes, I am down with this, but you basically, you want one or both of two things from it. You want serious high intensity energy, um, and you want really powerful memory, sugary sort of uh, melodies in it. And it it just threw out, I thought, the melodies weren't strong enough and there just wasn't that energy, whereas on Drive, it felt like we kind of had both of that coming back in. The chorus is huge. Um, when you're going to let me drive, um, it's cheesy, like, but it's the kind of thing that I'm like, do you know what, watching this at like Slam Dunk or... Um, walk tour or something like that in the sun having had a couple of beers i could absolutely see that being massive and 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 that was one of the ones that was like yeah this is kind of what the genre can do it's not breaking boundaries but it can be a really sort of anthemic um bringing together kind of moment and so that i would say that was probably i'd say probably that was head and shoulders my favorite track on the record um what did you think about it yeah i like drive i i echo a lot of your sentiment there like it was the one one of the ones where you, you get away from the the obviously very love struck i mean definitely the first four tracks on this record are very like almost like i think of this in terms of like secondary school kid writing love songs for his girlfriend yes which the i think he was this guy's like three or four years older than i am so he's in his like mid 30s fairly solidly like he's been creating music for decades and this feels like first band level lyric writing whereas drive yeah it's nothing breakthrough but at least it's a bit different it's a bit fun it's like you say i think that sort of it's a festival track it's one you could listen to at a festival and enjoy whether you knew the song or not it's it's not just about Avril Lavigne again, which is not to say like writing those songs wasn't a good idea, but I think how they've come off is not necessarily. But yeah, I thought Drive was a good song. It wasn't one of my like most memorable standout tracks on the record, but not 
not just because I didn't anything really stood out. Um, there were moments on like Courtney Fucker really stood out because it's like a fast piece, almost oi punk song in the midst of like this lovey dovey pop punk stuff. Um, but yeah, I thought Drive was good. Um, I thought it had uh, less, like you say, less cheesy lyrics. Um, and I like, I love a cheesy lyric. I don't mean cheesy in terms of like, oh, cheesy lyrics are shit. I think it was a bit more, a little bit more earnest. And I think that's, it worked in being earnest because I think he fell into the trap on some of the other songs of not wanting to accidentally say anything that could be misconstrued. I think it was he wanted it to just be these are love songs about the person I love and I don't want there to be any confusion in what I'm saying. I want that to be clear, which made it feel a bit cheap and a bit basic. Whereas this one, he obviously was, like you say, those constraints were removed and he was like, I'm just going to write this song about this, how I'm feeling about my life and stuff. And it 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 came off as more genuine. The lyrics were more interesting. They seem more personal despite actually being less directly personal. Um, so yeah, I think it was a, it was a moment that worked. And I think the second half of this record was definitely the stronger half. Um, yeah. Um, what? Just randomly jumping a little bit now. The Goo Goo Dolls cover, uh, track eight. What? <laughs> so first of all, before you tell me what you thought about the song, what do you think about artists randomly including covers in the middle of an album? I don't mind it. Like, actually, I love a good cover. I think, like, pick a song that either fits with the rest of the record, means something really personal to you, or you've done something really interesting with. I think a good cover is brilliant, and I think a good cover can do one or two things. It can either do a really do a really faithful take on the original that's just done really well, mm-hmm. or it can do something really unusual and different with it. So, you know, like Johnny Cash doing um, Hurt by Nine Inch Nails or whatever. Um, what I really cannot stand is a track that kind of is a faithful sort of homage to the original but just lacks everything that made it good so like I don't know Limp Bizkit doing Behind Blue Eyes um, you know loads of them so I'm not against covers per se um, I think I think when they're done when they're done well they can they can be really good and I I, I never when people are, you know it's unoriginal or whatever it's like well like bands grow up learning other band songs um, and then and then they like dis- discover their own musical identity I think it's unoriginal to to to, to include a cover in there um, and like there are entire traditions of music that are about a, a songbook that you learn and interpret like folk blues, all that kind of stuff. Jazz is all about, it's not just, well, I'm just going to play original stuff. It's like taking that stuff and doing something with it. So I've not got an issue with covers per se. Um, I would say I have an issue with this cover. Um, I wasn't looking at the track listing when I was listening. Um, I was just tapping some notes and the, the sort of <laughs> the, the guitar started playing and I was like, Sounds weirdly like the Goo Goo Dolls. I was like, I wonder what this song is called. Saw Iris, didn't connect the two. And then he started singing. I was like, oh, it is the Goo Goo Dolls, Iris. And I was like, oh, I hope this isn't going to be bad. And it was bad. Like, it it didn't do anything original with the song. Like, it was like when you're sort of having a drink somewhere in like a bar or whatever, and they've got like live performers and 
they're like really earnest and um and 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 playing as though they're sort of headlining Glastonbury despite the fact that they're just playing in a random bar. And yeah, I just it was earnest, it was po-faced, it it didn't do like I don't particularly love the original. I'm not a massive Goo Goo Dolls fan. But I think I'd be lying if I didn't say there is something powerful about it. Like it is a is a huge song. It it does like have an emotional connection. I just I thought this was this was a misfire for me. Um, what 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 did you reckon? Yeah, I say that is very similar to to how I felt. Like I some of my favorite songs are covers. Like a day to remember doing Cable Car and a day to remember again doing Since You've Been Gone. And like lots of the tracks off the the punk goes pop records and the punk goes hip hop records and all of these sort of things are some of my favorite songs because they are artists taking songs and doing their own thing with them. And I love that. Like, I love that surprise. And that's what I wanted from this. When it started, I was like, same as you, I was like, this is the Goo Goo Dolls riff. And then I was like, oh, no, it's a cover. Fine. Let's see what he does with it. And what he does with it is nothing um it makes me this is quite a niche reference here but do you remember like when you'd be in like the philippines or something and we were together actually and we were, got to the airport and there was the guy playing hotel california i didn't go to the philippines for you sure was it not unless the philippines I'm like unless i blotted out a memory of it but that has reminded me of my theory that anytime you see some sort of covers act bar band anywhere in the world they will at some point play hotel california yeah. i'm yet to be proven wrong on that theory it was we were we were definitely together at an airport. Some, and we, yeah. We'd had this conversation about all cover artists doing Hotel California. And we walked into the airport and the, there was a kid there doing Hotel California. <laughs> this is what that cover reminded me of. Like some kid in an airport with a fifty quid amp and a guitar he's borrowed from school doing Iris Guide by the Goo Dolls. Like it just it did nothing original and it wasn't just wasn't interesting it was just a weird thing to do i also think if you're going to do covers on your own album they have to be bonus tracks i do not understand like track eight out of 12 just being a random cover uh, regardless of the reason it doesn't make any sense to me make it a bonus track make it like an additional thing make it a standalone weird to put especially with streaming platforms being the way things are like i get it if you're releasing a cd still put it as a bonus track on a cd but like nowadays with spotify being the main way and amazon music and apple music being the way people absorb music put it standalone it doesn't need to be on an album especially if you're not even going to do a good cover it doesn't need to be on an album yeah um but yeah i just sort of wanted to get your take on that as a whole as well as here but yeah i agree i think one of the low points for me was was an uninspired cover um will always be a low point and uh, just yeah not interesting um all right so i've mentioned it a couple of times um because i think it is one of the most different i mean it is the most different moment on the whole record what did you think to courtney fuck Kurt? mixed emotions i emotions is a bit strong mixed thoughts let's say um I liked that it was doing something different. I thought it worked as a little short sort of thrashy, like punk number. I quite liked its sort of central message, that idea of let's not glamorize 
these like these rock star lives that end in death and destruction. There's nothing cool about drug abuse. There's nothing cool about suicide. All this kind of stuff. The point at which it lost me was the equivalent drawing an equivalence between Sid Sid um fucking know what's he called out of the Sid Stone Vicious. Roses Sid Vicious and Courtney a uh, Courtney Love like. Unless I have totally misread what he's saying in this song, he's basically drawing an equivalence between... He's basically blaming Courtney for what happened to Kurt Cobain Mm -hmm. and comparing that to Sid Vicious actually murdering Nancy Spungen. Now, that seems to be, like, callous at best and actually bonkers at worst. And, like, I know there's all sorts of theories about what she supposedly did in her role, and it's like, there's no evidence for that it would have come out by now if there was some, mm-hmm. you know, the guy was seriously ill. Like serious is well documented. You read any of the you read any of the um like I was I read um Oh god, what's his name? He died recently, the singer in um Screaming Trees, Mark Lanigan. I read his first autobiography, which is amazing, but an incredibly bleak read. Uh, and he, you know, he had his own struggles with drugs and mental health. And he was one of the him and Dylan Carlson, I think, from Earth were sort of two of the people who were kind of seeing Kurt in the days before he died. And just like the picture of the the like mental state that Kurt Cobain was in at that point, it's like this is a man with serious mental health issues, with serious drug addiction issues. And to like try and pin that, and again, it's it just taps into this like misogynistic, like ah. Oh, this man must have been led astray by this sort of siren-like tempting figure, and it's like, I just why 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 is that there, and why does that need to come in and 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 spoil that song, and 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 to then draw a line between that and the guy who literally murdered his partner, you're just like, I just for me it left an incredibly bitter taste in my mouth. Um, I I think as well just because. Bad enough in its own right, bad enough to draw that line, but it just ties into this wider, like misogynistic thing of like Kurt is this god. And don't get me wrong, I like I love Nirvana, they're one of my favorite bands. But this idea that she was some sort of talentless leech who basically destroyed him, as opposed to somebody who fronted her her own incredible band in its own, you know, whole were an amazing band in and of their own right. And this I this 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 horrible kind of rewriting and like of of history to suit a particular narrative like th- that element of the song kind of sorry i realized i've gone off on a total rant that you probably weren't expecting here but it just i was like oh why why have you done this this would have been i like the song it had a really interesting central conceit pick someone else who whose passing was glamorized but shouldn't have been why this moment why put the boot into her kind of thing unless i've totally misread like what's what he's saying in the song no, I think you're right. I think it's it is referencing. I don't think it's directly sort of comparing the two. I think they're just the two most sort of famous celebrity couples that drug drug addiction and abuse fucked up and ended up killing most of the like three of the four of them ended up dead. Um did Sid Vish end up dead? He did, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think it was uh, a heroin overdose after he got out of prison for yeah. Or, or get out of I don't know I, I, yeah I can't remember the exact details of it but no yeah. but he, but three of the four of them ended up dead um 
I think a lot of it, it all depends on where you get your information and stuff. Like I, the things and stuff I've read about Kurt, he was obviously in a terrible place and it was more that Courtney was doing nothing to help him. And that's not to say like she should have been helping, like she wasn't responsible for his actions, but I feel like, like it seemed to be she was providing him heroin and she knew he was in this mental state and like leaving him in bad situations and stuff. And I think it's, I'm hoping that's more what he's referencing in like more of a, like it shouldn't he's a bit blamey and it shouldn't be, but more like a basically just saying like all these sort of drug culture and everything like that, that goes along with being a, a quote unquote rock star is, is not good. Um, yeah. I like, I personally dislike Courtney Love because of how much she's profited from Kurt Cobain's death initially, not through her own fault. And then in later years, like she'll always bring it up again when it suits her, when she's got a project coming out. Suddenly you start seeing her doing interviews about him. You start seeing her talking about things he did or things like, yeah, I just, I mean, that whole thing is just messy and shitty. Um, like being a heroin addict in the nineties is, I mean, being a heroin addict anytime is not good, but like, especially then there wasn't much information and knowledge being readily passed around. So like things were bad, things were nasty, whatever. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think you're right. I think when he listened to you talk about, it, he could have chosen a better option. I think he was just possibly misguided more than yeah, like attacking. Um, but I, I thought it was a fun little punk song. Like if you don't read too deeply into it, but this is one of the ones where I think looking at the lyrics, loses the the message of the song for me like the whole first verse is so gatekeepery and like weird for a 36 year old man to be singing um and like i get it like like sort of i think for me this is a real like hypocritical song because most of this album comes across to me like it's written to try and get popular on tiktok there's lots of like little lines and little bits that you could see like teenagers who are getting into this sort of music putting a video over like it's all very accessible none of it's particularly harsh or aggressive and it's all very like alternative without really veering from like it's very much the pop end of pop punk um and then to write a whole verse about like pretending you know what songs mean just by singing the words like like where what is it um like using your parents scissors to cut holes in your jeans looking up youtube videos about anarchy like it's all a bit like weird gatekeepery stuff on a song about like people that really in the scene and it was so negative i just don't get it like like he's being like actually this scene is terrible look how many people it's hurt and then being like but you're also not part of it because you're just some little poser kid. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, he wants to have his cake and eat it a little bit. Like, we shouldn't idealise rock stars, but also you don't get punk. And it's yeah. a bit, yeah, like, I mean, we've talked before, I hate gatekeeping. I yeah. just, like, what's the point? How do we all get into it by seeing it and mimicking it? And, like, that idea that you should be judged for not getting it right. Like, what 13-year-old can or indeed should understand all that stuff like that's adult emotions and adult situations being committed to record actually i'd be like seriously concerned if you did fully get it mm. yeah like i think back to being a teenager and i'm like i didn't get this and the bits i did get i wish i hadn't got because if i hadn't got them 
like my teenage life would have been much less shitty like so actually yeah but yeah i think it was a a song i enjoyed way more until i actually read the lyrics and once i read the lyrics <laughs> i was like oh no this is a big misstep on like lyrically a massive misstep musically i thought actually very interesting in quite a a cookie cutter album but yeah maybe not the uh the way to go with uh with with content there um right let's take a quick break there and then we can come back talk about a few more of the highs and lows and then discuss openers and closers and anything else we want to chat about for this record perfect i'll see you in a minute Okay, welcome back, Sean. Welcome back, listeners. So, before we went away there, we were talking about the song Courtney Fucked Kurt and some slightly diverging opinions on it. Um, And I think now we're probably going to have a bit of a think about single mothers and have a look at the opener and closer as we try and do every week. Sean, which of those would you like to tackle first? Um, let's Let's do single mothers first and then we'll finish on the opener closer stuff. Um, so I thought, I thought this was another well-intentioned song that missed the mark a little bit. Um, like uh, again, another one, which is sort of the theme amongst this album is obviously meaning to be very personal and somehow coming across as manufactured. Um, like I did like that he had, it was his mum did the intro, um, just says hi, hi baby or something like that and then it's um him and his mum talking i guess on the phone as the outro um but like she sort of he's obviously asked her to to say a message to single mothers or something um which i didn't like what i liked was from the bit where he says like i love you mum and they talk themselves i thought that was really nice and earnest the random the bit where she's like saying the message i thought was just like facebook mum nonsense um and i'm not this is going to come as really bad because i don't i'm not saying that like single mums aren't hard working they aren't tough they aren't amazing people that have done a lot for their kids and stuff but when you spew it as that like um it's so hard you've got to do this you've got to do that you've got to do everything it it just feels a bit weird and ranty um and and not genuine and i think a lot of this like i've said it comes across as not genuine in a lot of places and it's weird for her as a single mum after a song that he's obviously written about all the things she did for him and how hard it was for her being a single mum comes across as like basically a facebook shareable post rather than like a genuine message of of like hope or of resilience or anything like that um yeah i thought this was one that started off a lot better for me than it ended up being the first verse i was i was in i was invested i was like right cool these lyrics sound they're good they're he's they're not cheesy they're not cliche they're not ranty or anything like that it was good then there was the pre-chorus was nice 
the course was good. And then from there, it just got a bit repetitive and a bit dull and a bit meh. Like, yeah, I think strong start absolutely petered out. And then a poor choice and a great choice in the outro. The first half of the outro, terrible choice. Second half, really enjoyed. Thought that was a really good like good thing would have liked this to finish the album just preface that now before we talk about that that like um i've just got lyrics up so it's like the last bit where he says i love you mum." she says i love you too he says i miss you she sort of laughs and says i miss you too honey and then they say good night to each other i thought that was a really lovely genuine moment on the record um and would have been a nice a nice finisher to the record um didn't use it that way yeah um what did you think I think you're absolutely right. I think I have problems with the song that does actually close the record, and we'll and we'll get onto that in a moment. I think this would have been, this would have worked better. I I think it's a pretty, in some ways, calculated and like naked attempt at emotional manipulation on the listener, like whacking your mum's actual words on the end there. Um, that said. It is also a really emotional song about his real connection with his real mum and the sacrifices she made for 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 him. And like to a certain extent, like it's his mum, it's his life. He's absolutely. It's not like he's exploitatively like telling someone else's story. Like it it, it is their story. Um, but it just feels a little bit precision tooled to like to make you feel the feels. Um, and. I couldn't quite shake that feeling, despite the fact that actually I think it's a really affecting song in many ways. Like I think that chorus, what was it, a broken homes like broken bones, really works. Like I've talked about the fact that I don't think the choruses are memorable enough, either melodically or just in terms of their lyrics on this record. I think that's one of the ones that do- does work that did land for me. Um, so I thought I thought that was that worked really well. Um, it's kind of written like a ballad, and I just I think this sense of it being precision tooled to make you feel the feels kind of also stems from from the way it's been recorded as well it's bit it's this big sort of light as a, a loft kind of slow acoustic number it's one of those ones where you like i can see i think it's interesting you talked about the tiktok thing i can see this being on a on a tiktok video um you know just a little snapshot of the chorus or whatever and that said as much as i'm like the whole time I was thinking I am being emotionally manipulated here actually so much pop music or actually so much music is calculated mm. in its emotional manipulation as well I don't think that's necessarily a like a, a fair fair for me to criticize that song while also loving other songs which do exactly the same thing overall I think this is probably my second favorite on the record after drive I would say um I liked it I think it would have been better at the end. I thought it was a bit weird to sort of, you have that, you have that sort of catharsis, that emotional moment when you get his mum's mm. words and like, and now we've got five other slightly bland songs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it would have done a much better job of closing out the album than the song that actually did. I guess that's possibly a nice moment to segue into looking at the track that actually does close the album. Or do you want to start with the opener first? Um I just one more thing to say on this, and then I think it's a, is a good a good section segue, good section, a good segue to go to the outro. Um, yeah, I just think like re-looking at the lyrics now, I feel like it loses its its honesty after verse one. 
So that is about, like he says, yes, I had a dad, but a woman taught me how to be a man. Age of six, my parents split. Split. I was left there fatherless. Mum's heart would never heal. She traded her life for her kids. Like that felt really genuine listening to it. And then after that, the next verse, like single mother working twice as hard just to give her kids a better life, working nine to five and five. Like it came across as pandering more than like a genuine thing um and i don't know anything about his life i the one thing i did see was that his mum was incredibly supportive of him like allowing like touring bands to stay at their house like helping him like make his way in the music scene and stuff so like obviously she does is a i mean sounds like a good mum and helped support him and stuff um but yeah, this it lost its like honesty here and its earnesty for me and just seemed like it was a song written to sort of captivate that specific market of of single mums and of children of single mums. And yeah, it just the the it lost me there basically. And it went from what started out as something I was like, I can really get behind this into a bit of like, yeah. Um, but again, it probably would have worked better as the last track on the record, like you say, like in the right place it would have probably had more oomph versus this sort of just like flopping and i think was it the track that directly before the goo goo dolls cover as well yes possibly yeah it is so then like to do that that sort of song close out with like this really heartfelt conversation with his mum and then be like and here's a lackluster cover was was weird um but yeah, that was that was just the last little bit I wanted to add. Um, okay, opener closer. Let's go closer first. Um, I think okay. No secret that you're unimpressed by it. Why? Uh, I just thought it. So I spent the whole record going, "What the fuck's he chosen this title for?" Like I don't understand um, why he's called, and I can't now actually remember what the record's called. God, God save the, the team. team. I was like. I was like, why is it? Why is he called it that? It's basically a love letter to Avril Lavigne and a couple of other bits. There's nothing about teenagers. There doesn't. There doesn't appear to really be anything. It seemed like this bit of this misnomer. And then on the final song, you're kind of like, oh, okay, I kind of get that. And then I think it actually ends with God save. He actually says the words God save teen. You're kind of like, okay. It just feels like totally out of step with the rest of the record. Like it doesn't close the record because it feels like an like like an adjunct to it like it's not it's not part of it it just felt out of step with the rest of it it didn't it it didn't lyrically fit you can see that he's sort of gone right i need a big closer to the record it starts with sort of these slow kind of piano keys it's got this kind of downbeat somber end it just felt very calculated and not in a good way and like the lyrics i like see dated it really like that that um is it the third verse where it's all the stuff it talks about like sipping starbucks and 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 vapes and all this kind of stuff and i'm like god you know are you going to listen to that song in 10 years and it's going to seem as dated as like billy joel we didn't start the fire it's just listing a load of like old i think it's a dangerous game going for really in in a in an album that otherwise it's not like um, you know, it's like a hip hop album where it's full of like very specific cultural references done mm. in a really interesting way, and it's part of that wordplay. There's none of that on the rest of the record. So then to go for it just made made it stand out in a weird, 
And it was this whole, like, I'm passing down advice. Like, you know, he's had this song where his mum's passing down advice. It's like, now I'm I'm sort of passing down advice. Here's my sort of state of the nation are. Who's think of the teens kind of track. And it just came across as patronising, hmm. out of step with the rest of it. And just weirdly, like, why is this here? Why is this the track the album takes its name from? It ju- It just didn't. It didn't land at all for me. I could see that it was being teed up as this big inspiration or like I'm looking out for the younger generation. We all need to look out for the younger generation. Mm. It just it just totally failed to launch for me. Yeah, I am. Um, I think it was terrible as a closing track on the record, but I think actually. It wasn't a bad track for me. I didn't dislike the track. I thought it it didn't fit on this album at all. It made me think that he wrote this song, liked it, then was like, that's the album I'm going to write. And then, like you say, wrote like a collection of love songs for Avril Lavigne and then a track about his mum and like didn't have the rest of this record written when he wrote this song and this song went on because he liked it. Um, I did like that he swapped to like a sort of slowed down almost spoken word rap at the end in that last verse. Um, I thought that was like a, just something different again. Like it's not necessarily that I thought it was amazing or inspirational. It was just different on this record. Um, and I did like, I think it was a possible, it was like a missed mark on something that I think is important for musicians to do. Like so many artists nowadays are like, do drugs, do this, do that, do that. And they always have been. I don't know why I'm saying these days. It's been that way since we were teenagers. It was that way when our parents were teenagers. It's never been any different. Like they promote a a not necessarily positive lifestyle. And I think actually if you have a big reach and you have the opportunity, like making a track where like you're not saying necessarily this is where I think he's misstepped. Like he's making it seem like, oh, you fucking losers because you do these things that you enjoy and I don't enjoy them because I'm older. But like actually like putting some things into reality are important for younger people listening to music and like yeah, it's just a it's a weird one. I like I liked how this the last verse on this record, but it didn't feel like it fit the record and it felt like there were bits of it that didn't work. Like where's um like I thought like instant gratification, internet cancellations at the start, I was like, yeah, like that's something that's not necessarily positive. The cheap conversation stuff, yeah. But then it's like the um filtered selfies and drinking Starbucks, the ring lights. I was like, man, like just let kids do what they want to do with that. There's no harm in taking a selfie. There's no harm in having a light and bit of airbrushing. And then it goes back on to like stop like poisoning yourself and vaping and like not buying drugs off of strangers because people keep dying because like this is a real problem in America at the moment. I don't know if it's the same here, but like I've seen there's a few people in bands I listen to that have died because they've bought like normal, like they've bought like weed or other drugs and it's been dosed with fentanyl and they've overdosed and like drug dealers are like seemingly intentionally killing drug users with like by adding fentanyl to their other drugs and not making people aware of this so like this has like moments of like necessary and then moments of like man who gives a shit if a bunch of 15 year olds want to filter their selfies like who fucking cares and so it's just up and down and 
yeah i don't mind the track but it definitely i mean as a 30 something year old it it feels a bit like a middle-aged man telling kids not to do stuff that kids do. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at he's old, he's older than me. He's, yeah, uh, he's a year older than I am, which officially makes him old. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think he's eighty-seven. He was born, so like not a young dude. Like, yeah, just just a weird one. Um, I think I think a pro- the problem for me with this whole record is that that it's all well-intentioned and just a bit misguided and wrong like I, I can see what he was trying to do in a lot of places and it's all just a bit gone wrong and i think the songs he's written for avril lavigne probably should have just left to just sing into avril lavigne by himself um they didn't need to be on an album like one track <laughs> right avril song put that on the track put that on the album great the first four tracks being about her oof, is a lot like i get it you're in love cool you're also a middle-aged man like back it up a little bit and yeah i just think there was this will be a record that if i put on the tv play out loud there's nothing abrasive about it there's nothing wrong with it you can bop your foot you can nod your head sing along to a few places but there's no standout moments and if you get a bit too deep into it if you actually sit and listen and look at it you're you sort of do a bit of like a ooh. Um, which is not not what you want. You should music should be more enjoyable the more the deeper you look at it, not less. Um, but yeah, let's. We haven't actually talked about the opener to the record. Um, is eyelids the opener? Yeah. So I didn't mind this actually. I I sort of I heard the opener. I was like, okay. Like I suspect this is not going to be a record. I love love. I'm not necessarily going to go back to it loads, but I'm like, I know what we have. I know what we're operating with here, and it. It felt like a bit of a a miss a miss of misdirection. Like it kind of set up the record as like it was gonna yeah, be operating very clearly in a sort of pop punk kind of way, but quite engagingly. And then actually the rest of the record was was not as successful as that, I thought. It pulled off the trick, which I love, where you get someone you get the vocals sort of a cappella first and then the music comes in. Mm. I thought I thought I thought that I it's a cheap trick, but it, it always works on me. I love it. Um, and then the music comes in. It's very sugary pop punk. The sort of synths as texture and really crisp, big production. Um, the verses were a little bit bland, I thought, but the chorus um, was was good. Um, it was a bit earnest and hackneyed, but but it landed. It was like, a, yeah, I can see people singing this back. Um it was quite sweet. I felt like on some of the other songs that were clearly about Avril Lavigne that it tipped over from being quite sweet into actually being a bit like unintentionally creepy mm. and, a li- and a little bit much and a little bit you were like, oh, okay. Like maybe, like you say, you should have kept this. Like something you just played her. It, it felt a bit voyeuristic and I was a bit uncomfortable listening to some of the other ones. Whereas this, I was like, it's quite sweet. The lyrics are a bit naff, um, but it's quite sweet. It's got big chorus. It started the record off well. You know, if we're sort of saying, does it introduce the, the, the theory, thematic concerns of the record? Yes, because almost all of it is about Avril Lavigne and how wonderful she is. So, like on on that note, it does. I thought it was a bit of misdirection, like I've said, in terms of actually, it was much more engagingly pop punk than actually. I think a lot of this record isn't even a pop punk record. I think a lot of this record is just quite boring pop 
Like mm. it, it's not even got the the sort of punk element of that. Like it's just quite bland sort of top forty pop. Um, and and that's the big problem with it. it not that it's a pop punk record, but that it shows elements like here and drive. Where you're like, okay, when he's operating that mode, it can be quite good, but it just doesn't do it too much. It's like, yeah. Um, so in some ways, it's an effective opener. In other ways, it sort of then means some of the other songs on the record suffer by comparison. What did you think? Yeah, I've got nothing to add to that, to be honest. That is that is basically how I felt. Very, very like sickly sweet, cheesy, absolutely fine, but nothing spectacular. And I think like you hit the nail on the head there. Like this is a pop record with a couple of pop punk songs, and that is where it falls flat because it's not cheesy enough to be pop and like fun pop, but it's not punky and interesting enough to be pop punk. So it's just a weird it is a weird it's not record. Even the, it's not even the cheesy thing for me. Like I love a lot of pop stuff. Like I think pop songwriting is really, really fucking hard to do. Actually, because you have to have incredibly strong mm. melodies and lyrics to do it the way in a way that it doesn't come off as trite. And I think that's the problem. The melodies aren't strong enough. The choruses aren't big enough for it to succeed as pop as pop. And because it doesn't have that like energy and that kind of sugar hit that you get in the pop punk stuff you're then more acutely aware of that as well. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, Just, I know we sort of said that was what we were going to talk about and close up. The one other thing I wanted to sort of mention, the the two features on this record, the Avril Lavigne feature, and then is it Serpent and the... Real and the Serpents. Yeah. Um, what what did you think of them? Um, I Just very briefly, but I'm asking you, but I'm going to talk first. So um, it wasn't really worth asking you that. Um, <laughs> so I actually thought, the Avril Lavigne one on Shelter saved that song from being incredibly like, like, uh, I can't think of the word for it, like, like weird. It basically, like, if he had just sung that song about like how about her, he'd have killed himself and he doesn't need therapy anymore because of her and stuff. I'd be like, oh, this is a bit like emotionally abusive, like, like doing that sort of thing that people do where they're like if you leave i'll kill myself her participating in that i mean i still don't know it necessarily means they've got a healthy relationship but at least it's it, it made it less weird um for me like it made it seem like they're both saying like actually we found each other an important time and like you've you've really helped me overcome that versus if it was just him i felt like it would feel a lot like he was just sort of being a bit like if you ever leave me i'll kill myself like where is it like um like it says like when i when i'm feeling like shit when i drive up a cliff when i hate me own my own skin you take care of me you let me in you're my shelter from everything and like it's the fact they both sing that to me makes it seem more like a a song where they're saying when we're having bad days, we're there for each other versus if it was just him, I'd have probably read that as someone, please get Avril out of there. <laughs> what yeah. did you think? No, it's, it's what I said before. I, I found the the focus, a lot of the songs about her quite uncomfortable. Like that's a lot to put on someone. And that's not the only song where it comes across that basically it's her, like nothing else he's ever done as a given in meaning without her is nothing. Mm. I can see that it's intended in a really sweet way, but fuck me, the emotional baggage of being the person on the receiving end of that and the like the weight of that, I think there's something a bit dangerous about. It. I think, like you say, her actually peering on the song kind of 
saves it from that a little bit. Um, it's mega cheesy. It's really sort of broad metaphors. They kind of work. It's super earnest, so he, he kind of carries it, and it's quite sweet their interplay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that is kind of where I am on that one. Yeah. Uh, the other Did one you... that... Ha- Sorry, go on. Sorry, just before we move on. Did you also... This was one of the main ones that to me came across as I've written this for people to use on their TikTok videos. Yeah. Like a little couple together being like, oh, we love each other. You're you're the person saying... Like that, it really came across as that for me. Um, so yeah, what did yeah, you think of the other, color, the other guest? I didn't like it. Uh, right. For me, it like... It could have been anyone. It, it, you know, it had that kind of sample drums, poppy guitar, sort of singing, sort of rapping, speaking kind of thing. It like sounded could have been like a Post Malone track or any one of these sort of guys that's operating in this kind of pop punk kind of rap space. Um, had really like, yeah, and the the whole central metaphor of sending out the SOS. Like we've heard it before. Like if you're going to do that, you got to do it very well. Like ABBA wrote a song called SOS that is an absolute banger. And like, if you're going to go up against that, then you best come with a song that, that delivers. And for me, this is not even like it's clunkily awful. It's just anodyne and could be it. It was very like, didn't have any of his identity in it. Yeah. It, yeah. It was boring. It had the line, I must admit, I'll never quit. And the second I heard that, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is preteen rhyme scheme central what are you doing i've never heard royal and the serpent i don't know what their music is like this has not enticed me to find out at all didn't think it was an effective feature i didn't think it was a particularly good feature like this like if you hear someone on a record you're like you want to be able to be like okay let's go see what they do like this did not do that at all. This has put me off ever listening to them. And this was a, a real weak point, I thought. Like you say, like it just, it did nothing. And to have two, I think Royal and Serpent are a whole band. So like to have two bands work on a song this lackluster is, yeah, a bit shit. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on them because I, I quite like to talk about when when artists have features because they have they can be so polarizing and, and when they work well, they're amazing. And when they don't, they're this track um so overall um i like i don't hate this record like i say on a surface level this is fine it's not as good as the one that you did before this it's not as good as a lot of the other pop punk stuff that's coming out nowadays like spoiled for choice with pop punk stuff at the moment and this is not going to push anything off a list anywhere for like albums to listen to nothing wrong with it I will more than likely listen to it multiple times again. There are probably songs that I might enjoy a little bit more and re-listen. Possibly not. It's one that I can stick on when I'm driving, put on, cook dinner to. Like, there's nothing about it that puts me off, really. Um, But nothing about it that grabs me either. It was, this is like, when I say like a 5 out of 10 record, that's what this is. It's nothing abrasive, nothing interesting. It's fine. It's it's bland it's a bit whatever but there's nothing wrong with it um yeah what did you think yeah i mean i've got to be honest i will probably stick drive in my tracks of the year playlist and i will probably listen to that again 
I don't think I'll be bothering with the rest of the record. It wasn't awful. I didn't hate it. It's not one of you know. Sometimes you listen to a record and you're like, this is objectionable. I hate this for numerous reasons. I didn't love it, but it was you know it was fine. And if someone came up to me and went, you know what, I love this record. I love this artist for these reasons. I'd be like, fine. I I haven't got the energy to argue with you. And like and and I could see it working for other people. Mm. Like I think if I was if I was younger, um, maybe. Um, it just doesn't. It doesn't do it for me. But I, I, I didn't hate it. And like I say, Drive will probably go in that playlist. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit. It's a bit pandering. It's definitely for that crowd of like the current wave of like TikTok teenagers discovering alternative music. Um, I would. I'd be keen for you to listen to his previous album and let me know what you think about that because I think that is a much better pop punk record, um, than this one was. Um, and I'm hoping his next one will be better than this one was. Um, yeah because he's clearly a talented bloke yeah and i think he does all he plays all of the instruments and writes everything on these records so like he yeah. drums he does guitar he does but he sings he does everything so like he has talent there and on the, the previous record he really showcases that well and i think it falls flat here a little bit but i don't hate it like you say there's if someone told me this was their favorite record of all time i'd probably say i've got some recommendations for you that you're really gonna like but I'm also not going to get in a fight about it being good because there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, there's not really anything right with it either, which sounds strange, but it's just sort of a, it's there, it exists, it's fine. It'll it'll probably exist for years to come as like one that people like tracks off and one that people don't pay attention to. Um, But yeah, I think not a bad one, not a great one. It was fine. Um is really all all to wrap up on that one and there um, we have it listeners it was fine and i think that is probably the most accurate place to to round things up yeah um have you got any thoughts on next week not yet um i i stupidly stupidly listened to a couple of records like not even remembering that we needed to do this today and was like these are great but um so no, I will need to go and consult the listening okay. schedule and or the release schedule rather and, and, and get back to you on that. Cool. Um, all right. I think that's everything from us for today. Um, obviously, thank you everyone for listening. Cheers, Will, for taking time to listen to this record and spend our evening chatting about it. Um, if you have been out there listening and enjoyed this, please subscribe to the podcast, uh, drop us a rating on a review, share some episodes with your friends, um, if you haven't already, please check out the Fright and Rabbit episode we released a few weeks ago. Um, I think that's one of my favourite ones that we've recorded. Um, don't want to speak for you, Will, but yeah, definitely one of my favourites. And yeah, that's all from us. Um, cheers, Will. Have a good evening. Thanks, Sean, and see you and everyone else next time.